Right. So, hey, <laughs> The most powerful thing in the universe knows your name. The most powerful thing in the universe knows your name. He knows your day when you wake up and you go to bed, when you sit down and you get up. He knows you. He's heard of you. God, the Lord of all things, who formed everything, knows you. It's like when you go into a party and you go up to someone, you're like, hey, I'm Johnny, it's great to meet you. And they're like, oh, how do you know you? I've heard so much about you. And you're like, wow. Thanks, like, I'm flattered. It's like God, it's like that. But this isn't uh, Greg from accounts or some dude who lives down your street. This is God, and he says, I know you. I know you. And it doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just know you, he also says that he is with us. That right now, he is with us. And for those of you that believe, he's not just with us, he's in us. God, by his spirit, lives in us. There's this incredible image painted in 2 Kings 7. When Solomon, he's built the temple, the ark's been carried in, and when the ark's been carried in, the spirit of the Lord descends in a fire. This fire comes down from heaven. And like the priests, they kind of get in to perform their ceremonies. People can't even go near it because the glory of the Lord is there and his presence fills the temple. God's glory is there in a raging fire. The uncontainable God of the universe chose to dwell with his people in his place. It's a really absurd image, isn't it? To think that what the vast heavens could not contain chose to dwell in space and time with people. With sinful, prideful, corrupt, broken humanity. And he's like, yeah. You're my people, and I'm going to live here. I'm going to live with you guys. And after all this has taken place, the people have worshipped, they praise God. Solomon explains, I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you. And it was. Like, it was a magnificent temple. When, when you read about the building of it, it's made with the finest stone, the finest wood, gems, precious metals. It's a magnificent building, and it pleased God to dwell in it with his people. So in a fire, he descended. But that temple, despite its magnificence, is gone. It's destroyed. God's people got carried off into exile, and the presence of the Lord went back. But that temple is being rebuilt. Even today, that temple is being rebuilt. And it's not being rebuilt with materials, with, with bricks or with wood or silver or gold. It's being rebuilt with flesh and bone. By Christ's sacrifice, which made us pure and blameless, we became the living temple of God. In Ephesians 2.22, it says that in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God lives in us. His presence fills us. I mean, the very presence that filled the temple to the point that man couldn't even get in now fills us. It fills you. And he isn't just with you, he's in you. By Christ's blood you were purchased and made clean. And through that, the glory of the living God can now dwell inside of you. 
That's incredible. It is incredible. And it should fill us with, with joy and awe and wonder and praise. But it also, like it also means that God, the God who will one day judge the living and the dead, the God whose radiance knows no blemish and no sin, and who simply by his perfection you would drop dead at the side of him, now dwells and resides within you, within you and me. He who sees all things, he who hears all things and knows all things is in you. He sees you every day. Doesn't that sort of scare you? I mean, like, like me, in me, in all my weakness and my sin, you choose to dwell in me? Like, please, like, don't. Like, like not me, like, for my sake, please don't dwell in me. But God's like, no, no, no. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because of how you've lived or any of that. It's in spite of that. Like, it was God's joy to choose me, to choose us. We were chosen as his people. He chose all of us. And we were reconciled to him by Christ. So we are, we are his temples. For those of us that believe, we are his temples. So what now? What does this mean for us? Paul asked these questions of the Corinthians. He goes to them as temples of God, as members in Christ's body. Shall we then take the members of Christ and reunite them with a prostitute? No. No, surely not. We can't do that. How can we continue to live the life we once lived when we realize who we have been made to be? When we realize the position to which we have been elevated to be, how can we live the way we once did? So as temples of the living God, how do we live? How do we live? For some of us, Maybe we've received Jesus, we've accepted him, we believe, and um, although we've been freed from the shackles of our, our sinful desires and desires of, of our bodies and our minds, we don't quite shake them off fully. We sort of cling to them as if they provided some comfort or familiarity. It's like we fail to acknowledge that they're even shackles. I mean, maybe some of us, we're sort of more looking from the outside in. Like, we see Jesus and we're like, oh, that's great. I, I kind of want to accept him, but I can't really see a way in which I could ever live a life worthy of his calling. Like, man, my sin, my, my lifestyle, it's too ingrained. It's just who I am. I don't see a way in which I can change and I kind of don't even know if I want to change. And for others of us, Christianity is our faith. It's just sort of faded into normality. It's become mundane to us. It's just, it's always been there. And over time, the joy and the passion has just slowly slipped away. Like Jesus died for me, I know, that's, that's lovely. But like the radical days of your Christian youth where you fully grasp the significance of the cross have faded into the background as you grew up or you got a job. Or you got a spouse and you had kids. Life gets in the way and suddenly Jesus just sits on his mantelpiece. Just this nice ornament in your life. And I want to tell all of you, no matter where you're at, whether you fit into one of those categories or not, the good news of God's gift to us. Because it's exciting. 
It's not something that we stick on a mantelpiece just to look at, and it's not something that we should ever think is beyond us or out of our grasp. Because the truth is, the truth is that we are not alone. You are not alone. God has said that we don't have to rely on our own strength anymore. We don't have to look to our own understanding. The truth is that the very Spirit of God is now with you. He is in you and he is helping you. Which means that when we're in, when we're in the crucible, when we're in the pit, when trials just seem all around us, the night is encroached and we can't see the light, the pain is real. We have the very strength of God working in us to help us, to guide us. And he points us, he points us to Jesus. He fixes our eyes on Jesus and his sufferings and shows us that we have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus that no trial can ever take away from us. The Spirit fixes our eyes on Jesus, on what matters, and gives us a perspective like nothing else. And when temptation comes, when the world sort of dances temptingly in front of us, flaunting its pleasures, its joys, its riches, its comfort, and when your body and your mind just wants to dive straight in there, that same spirit, he cries out from within us. He gives us wisdom, he provides wisdom to our minds, strength to our body, so that we can overcome this world, we can overcome the temptations. For it is only by the spirit that we can overcome and can understand. But the world doesn't understand. Your friends, your family, they might not understand because they have the spirit of the world, but we who believe have the spirit of God. And this spirit Paul calls in Ephesians the spirit of wisdom. We have wisdom and understanding. And you might sit there and go, okay, maybe, but I don't really know if I have that much wisdom or that much understanding. And I think when we're in those moments, it's really good to look back at the stories of Jesus. Because sometimes I think we read them and we just look at the disciples and we're just like, you are the dumbest people I've ever seen. <laughs> or like, we look at the Pharisees and go like, are you genuinely brought blind? Like, can you not see? I mean, like, I'll read a passage in the Old Testament and I'm like, oh yeah, it's Jesus, that's it, he's all in cut. And then, how do the Pharisees not see it? I mean, they're reading it and then... They're acting in a way that fulfills what they're reading and teaching, and they still don't see it. They just don't get it. And like the disciples, how did they not understand that when Christ said, I'm going to die and raise, rise again three days later, that that wasn't exactly what he was going to do? <laughs> like they just look at him and they're like, oh yeah, all right. So it's like, it's like speaking riddles to them. They just don't get it, but we get it. We understand that. Like, we read it and we understand it. Because we have been given the spirit of wisdom. We've been given understanding to understand the mysteries of God. To understand the mysteries of God revealed to us in his Bible. We have the spirit to understand them. And as we grow in this understanding, through growing our knowledge and our understanding, we begin to see that the life that we once thought way far beyond us is actually it's in our grasp and his commands we once thought burdens actually become our joy to follow because we can understand them 
So when temptation comes and it's overwhelming, we can look to the Spirit. We can seek His understanding to know Christ and to understand Him. So we can be like, why? Why did you tell me to live like this and not like this? Why is this good and this bad? We can seek that understanding by the Spirit that's within us. And we'll start to see that Jesus' commands were made in his love for us. That they were for us and not against us. And when, when trials come, when suffering comes, when all joy just seems to be sucked from you, your bones are dry, your heart melts within you, there seems to be no comfort, there seems to be no peace, the Spirit reminds us where joy and peace is found. The Spirit reminds us who gives us these things in the first place for peace, for joy, they're the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the, the big lies I think we believe today is that we need to find joy in, in X and Y and Z in, in things. But man, our joy was given to us, fully formed, the moment and the day we accepted Christ. For joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of possessions. It's not the fruit of experience, friends, relationships. Joy, love, peace, gentleness, kindness. These are the fruit of the Spirit. So when we are in trials, we can look to the Spirit within us, the one who is the giver of joy and peace, and we can rejoice. Rejoice in what we have already been given. For so often we keep trying to find what the Spirit has already given us in other things, in stuff, in people. And when we do this, we cut ourselves off from actually experiencing the very thing that we're looking for. Because the more we want, the more we desire, the more we seek, the less we experience God's great and unfailing love for us. So we need to walk in step with that Spirit. We need to let the Spirit guide us and guide us in rejoicing and praising God for all that He has done. And for all that he has given us. But the Spirit also gives us more than just power over sin and temptation. The Spirit actually gives us the very power that raised Christ from the dead to do God's will. The very power that raised Christ from the dead. Like right now we actually have the power to do incredibly more than, than we can even comprehend or, or understand. Because we have that strength. And it's not because of who we are, not because of what we can do, but it's because of he who dwells in us and works through us. Like, so much of the time I hear Christians say, it's like, oh, I wish I had his strength, or I wish I could do what she does, or you know, I wish I had these things. And it's like, we almost think that other people have more. They have more than us. Like more than the fullness of God. What are we, what are we looking for? What do we want? What is it that they have more of when we have the fullness of God within us? Like, the problem is not that we don't have the power. The problem is that we refuse to believe we already have it. I mean, I feel like we need to change our language from I can't do this, I can't do that, maybe I can do that, to God can. Because God can. And when we trust in the strength of the power of God that is at work in us, 
we can do. We can go. We can act boldly. We can do the things that we didn't think we were capable of doing because of him who is within us. When we started, we read a little story from Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is out and he's walking on the lake and Peter calls out to him and he goes, Lord, if it's you, call me over to you. And Jesus is really calm because that's how he is. He's just like, yeah, come, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the water towards him. And it got me thinking, at what point in that story does Peter have the power to walk on water? At what point? It's the moment he steps out of the boat and puts his foot on the water, then he's given the power to walk on the water. Peter steps out in faith. He's trusting Jesus. His eyes are fixated on him, and by no power of his own, he walks on water. And at this point when I was writing this song, I just had oceans stuck in my head on repeat. It's like where feet may fail. But, um, <laughs> but when, when Peter trusts in Jesus, he steps out. It is at that moment that he is equipped to do what he is set out to do. I mean, you don't need power to do nothing. Peter doesn't need power to stay in a boat. You don't need power to sit and wait. Peter didn't just wait and he was like, yeah, I feel it, yeah, I feel it, okay, now I'm going to go. He just went out, he trusted Jesus because Jesus called him. And we have all been called as well. The fact that we are here today is because Jesus has called us to follow him. That's what we're doing here today. We have been called. And in a way, this this sort of reminded me of of crossing a road. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Vietnam, but the traffic in Vietnam is like neck level. It's insane, right? And so you could just be standing there on the sidewalk and you need to cross that road and you're just looking at it and you're like, nah. <laughs> like, that's impossible. There's just bikes going everywhere. They don't stop. Like, I don't know how many lanes that is, but yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's mayhem. It's chaos. And as you stand there and you're already hesitant to take that first step, you see all these like little cute Vietnamese ladies and they just don't even think twice. They just walk straight out of the middle. They just walk straight through. They just cue the thing with their hands where they just tell them to stop like this. Um, but they just walk straight out. They cross the road. They don't look. They don't think twice. They step out and they walk. I know the traffic is all like that. They don't get hit. The traffic just goes round them. They step out, eyes fixed forward, and they safely cross to the other side. And if you want to do the same, if you want to cross that road, you've got to step out in faith. You've just got to go. But if you waited on the sidewalk until the traffic died down, until you felt like you had the power to cross it, or it became a bit more manageable, you would stand there forever. You would die standing there. The traffic doesn't stop. But once you, once you set out, once you start walking, you'll start to see that what once looked impossible is totally within your grasp because you'll see the power you have when you walk out. But like, you don't know halfway through that, like halfway out and go, whoa, 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 what am I doing? What am I doing? Because that's when you get hit. Once you stop, you get hit. But if you keep walking, you don't get hit. You notice in the story we read, I mean, Peter is, like, he's walking on water. He's going out, he's walking on water. He's like, Boat's over there, Jesus is over there, and he's like, see, 
And he looks around him. He sees the wind, he sees the waves, he realizes what he's doing, and he doubts. When the wind and the wave became bigger than his faith, he sunk. You notice it wasn't getting out of the boat and treading on the water that sunk him. What sunk him was his lack of faith. So don't, don't wait in the boat. Don't sit and wait in the boat and don't get halfway out and then like freak out. I mean, you've got to trust that Jesus is there, that, that God is ahead of you and he is in you and he is guiding you. Because you, you don't stop halfway through a road. You don't stop halfway through life. You don't stop halfway through following Jesus. You commit to it and you go and you know that the Spirit is equipping you as you go. And once you've crossed one road like this, once you've conquered it, the rest, they don't seem so daunting anymore. Because you start to understand the power that you have been given. However, um, just a side note, please don't take away from this talk that you don't need to look when you cross the road. <laughs> please do. Stay safe. Roads are dangerous. Um, <laughs> But my point is that it's, it's kind of true with us and God. Because you can sit here all day and go, all right, God, you promised your spirit. You promised that you were going to give me strength. Like, I'm just, just sitting, I'm waiting for it. When, when's it going to come? Are you going to give it to me yet? Because I don't, I don't really feel like I've got it. I don't feel like I can do these big things that I think maybe you want me to do. I, I just don't feel it. And we sit there and we ask God for his power, yet at the same time, we're completely unwilling to trust him and actually act. I mean, God never promises that you'll feel like you have all the power in the world. I think that's probably what we would call pride. But what he does promise is that you will have his strength and power in your life. So don't sit and wait. If you want to see God's power, you need to move, you need to do, and you need to go. Because the Spirit of God isn't a feeling, it's a fact. So you need to assume it, know it, trust it, and move, and go. For some of you, you're going to know if these are you, but you might, there might be a conversation that you know that you need to have. There might be someone who you know you need to go and talk to, and you know it's going to be painful, and it's going to be awkward, and you kind of be dreading it, and you feel like you don't have the power to do it. You don't know if you have the words to say, but you know you need to do it. Go. Move, go, act in faith, and the Spirit, He'll give you the words. He'll give you the confidence to say the things that you know you need to say. For some of us, there might be this sort of little back room, this little den that we keep hidden from God. An area that you don't want to let Him into. Maybe you're ashamed of it, or maybe you're just unwilling to relinquish control of this particular area to God. But you know you need to open it up. You know you need to let God's light in to expose the darkness and to bring it out. But you're so afraid of it. You're afraid about what might be there. You're afraid to lose the last thing that you have left. And we need to act, move, to open it up, to give it over to God, trusting that we have the strength over temptation, that we have the strength over the world and sin and trial, and we can trust in the one whom we're giving it to. For some of you, it might be more just actually standing up and saying, you know what, I believe. Like, I believe in God. 
Declaring with your mouth what you already know in your head. Because I find when we do that, we actually cement what we, we believe to ourselves. But we show it to others as well. We might be fearful of the eyes and thoughts of men and women and our friends or our family. But what are people's passing thoughts and judgments when the very one who made them is with you and indeed in you and working through you? So talk to those people. Stand up. Profess. Proclaim. Maybe tonight, to whoever you need to, say it that you believe. For others, maybe a bit further down the line, and you just need to take that first step, that first step of faith, to put your faith in Jesus and turn back to him, to accept his gift of life and to accept his spirit that he gives. I want to ask you guys to turn, to turn and you'll see that he is right there. You'll see that he meets you. I mean, you'll never see the Father if you don't turn to look at him. So turn, behold, believe and repent. And for others of you, you just need to quit your job and move. <laughs> but you guys know what you need to do. And, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're more like, actually, I, I don't really know what I need to do. But that's why we have the Spirit. That's one of the reasons why we have him. So how about tonight, you pray. You pray for God to show you, for God to reveal something to you. That's a scary thing to pray because you're saying, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me where you want me. So you might not like what he shows you, but no matter what, you can know that he will equip you for whatever it is he calls you to do. So pray. Pray that prayer tonight and step out in faith. For the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. He gives you understanding and strength. So we can trust in Him and live. And we can live like the child of God we are. We can live like the temple that we are. No temptation is stronger than your ability to overcome it. And no trial is big enough to take away what God has already given you. So let's pray. Lord, Father, I thank you so much for the gifts that you give us. We thank you that we do not go through this life alone. We thank you that you are with us every step of the day and every step of the way. Lord, we thank you that your spirit dwells within us, that we have been made pure and blameless and you can dwell within us. You are our strength. You are our guide. Lord, please teach us. Give us great understanding. And help us to realize the strength and the power we have. Lord, reveal to us our path, that we may step faithfully out, trusting you all the way.